Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 169 with Holding Love and Affection. It's December 26, 2023. I am your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any fashion. My music is by Howie Moscovich. withholding love and affection. Oh my heavens, people. Do you know where I am going with this topic? Well, you may or may not. I don't know, but I will take you there shortly. So in the meantime, you can think about that while I get my few announcements out of the way before I dive in. Number one, please go to my website and enter my giveaway. That will make me happy. I am for sure sometime by the end of January, February at the latest going to have my IT guy you know, pull the, use the device to pull the winners and, and start shipping out the, notifying the winners and shipping out the prizes. Next is my disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I am not a health professional. I am none of those things, licensed or unlicensed, none of that. You as a person should get your therapy advice or medical advice from a licensed healthcare provider. Next, I do have transcripts for all of my podcasts on my hosting platform, which is rss.com. The transcripts are very helpful for hearing people and they are also uh, provide accessibility for the deaf or hard of hearing. And now I'm wondering whether I should be deleting the time thing that shows up on the transcript. So I'm, I'm investigating that. Oh my heavens, people. And lastly, if you are feeling suicidal, if life is too hard, if you feel like you can't go on, if you're, if you're just like engaging in self-harm or addictions to the extreme or addiction, I am asking you to cut yourself a break and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline where they can help you. The number is 1-800-273-8255 or you may call or text 988. That number again is 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. You are not alone. If you understood all the impacts of what's happened to you, in your life up to this point, I'm sure you probably A, would feel like a million bucks and B, probably would not feel suicidal. You might be angry, you might be upset, but you would not, you would know it's not your fault. And that's what I'm saying is get some help, get yourself sorted out. Now, withholding love and affection. Oh my goodness, people, where am I going? And what does this have to do with? Well, as the title implies, this podcast is about withholding love and affection. Now, before you start thinking, oh, that's not a problem in my life. Ways of withholding love and affection include, I want you to listen to this and look at your life through these different angles. Ways of withholding love and affection include withholding money, withholding resources, withholding time, withholding someone's interest, withholding the truth, withholding, withholding validation, withholding communication or discussion, withholding praise, withholding compliments, 
those are seven, eight different areas or more where people withhold. So this is actually an extremely common, 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 common situation. I hate to, I hate to break it to you people. I, I of course, am the kind of person that calls people out on some behaviors. Not always people, not always. I, I do have some filters. I do have tact sometimes. Um, but I mean, I've been with people who, who had amazing compliments to give to someone and they withheld them. And, and later I would say, well, why, why did you withhold that? Why didn't you just say that? Well, you know, like people don't even know why they do those things. So withholding, and this, by the way, happens at work. It happens in families. It happens in relationships. It happens with, between friends. It happens in clubs. It happens in organizations. It happens across the board, wherever there are human beings. It does. Withholding, you know, in, information. Like there are so many things that can be withheld and are withheld. So I want you to get the the commonality of this. This is extremely common. What's not common is people owning up to the fact that, say, for example, at work, yes, I withhold that date or that amount or that detail uh, because I wanted to look better than you or I wanted you to look better. Now, people don't, people don't cop to their own bad behavior. So this withholding love and affection is a large area when you include withholding praise, withholding the truth, withholding communication, withholding resources, time, money, all that stuff. So at work, oftentimes what's withheld is praise or compliments or information or resources. Like that, that happens at work, really. And, you know, a friend who bro blows off your accomplishments, you know, is, 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 is withholding their praise or their love and affection. In dysfunctional families, this is where this is very common. And this whole idea of withholding love and affection is, by the way, under the research, under what's, what's written about in psychology, Withholding love and affection, and of course, I've already laid out many areas that, that, of behaviors that that can include, uh, is a form of emotional abuse, and it's listed as one of the most toxic forms of abuse. It's an uh, emotional abuse. Now, in a marriage or an intimate relationship, it could also be withholding sex or, you know, affection. So, it is a form of emotional abuse. And I really want to drill down just for a second and talk about it in dysfunctional families, because this is one area that we are, we really gloss over, blow over. We don't, we don't talk about, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is in the dysfunctional families. And this is where often a parent who uh, you know, they could be a perfectionist, they could have low emotional abilities, and they might play favorites, they might do a lot of things. But one thing that's common is the withholding of love and affection in a family. So a child doesn't receive the proper amount of love and affection. And in many cases, in my opinion, uh, it, it's, it's so low on love and affection, it, it might as well be absent. So this is common and it's a form of emotional abuse. In the research, when I was getting my child, child clearances back in the day, uh, it was listed as a form of neglect under emotional abuse. So when I went through the Pennsylvania child clearances to be able to chaperone a youth group, you had to go through all the clearances, fingerprinted, the whole thing. But you had to take... Uh, 
uh, a course online, a little, you know, and then take a test, etc. And and this is very memorable is that one of the pieces for the child clearances is that withholding love and affection is a form of neglect under emotional abuse of children. So in the world, we have neglect of by withholding love and affection if that if that's correct and i believe i believe in what i looked at at the research that is absolutely correct because what do we need as human beings we need we need social connections we need love and affection we do i've done i think eight or nine podcasts on different aspects of love so you know be well loved being loved running away from love you know, having more love in your life, etc. This is the kind of the opposite of love. This is the withholding of love and affection. So I really want you to get the flavor of this because I promise you, you have areas where somebody's doing this to you. I, I can guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you. Now this, so in dysfunctional families, this can be used as a tactic of manipulation. So in some cases, it's intentional by a psychopath, a narcissist, or someone who has a mental health diagnosis. In other cases, it's simply a person who's not quite, you know, too cool. Like they probably, well, for sure they have low emotional abilities because someone with high emotional intelligence and high emotional abilities would not withhold love and affection. They might tell you, I don't like your behavior. I don't want your behavior in my circle, in my life. But that's very different because you're you're laying down your boundaries and you're saying you are going to you are going to willfully and intentionally and maliciously backstab that person who's been helping you. I don't want any part of that. You cannot be in my circle. That's that's behavior I cannot tolerate. That's a boundary. That's you taking care of yourself, and that's awful of the other person. But this is this is common behavior. And, and some people might not have a diagnosis, but they will withhold love and affection. This is a very big deal if, if for people who are, so stepping away from dysfunctional families, this is a problem in domestic abuse. Domestic abuse, I separate from domestic violence. The domestic violence we are tracking because there's violence, there's something to track. But we're not, in my opinion, in my view, in my experience, and I have quite a bit of experience. We are not tracking domestic abuse. So that would be domestic abuse absent the violence or absence of the violence. So in domestic abuse, withholding love and affection, that could be withholding money, resources, time, interest, love and affection, sex, what have you, validation, compliments. That's the, that's the norm in domestic abuse. That's the norm. So we not only have it in dysfunctional families, you know, then we have it in domestic and abuse and in domestic abuse, when that's going on and you're raising children, the children then become in a dysfunctional family, witnessing the domestic abuse and, and by exposure become more likely to have it happen to them. It's called generation trauma, generational trauma. We know it passes from generation to generation. So you might not recognize it because it's normal to you. Like it's very problematic and tragic and upsetting to me that we have normalized bad behavior. We have abnormal, we have made abnormal behavior normal and we have taken healthy, good behavior and made it abnormal. So this whole concept with holding love and affection is all over the board. It happens in clubs. It happens in sports. It happens everywhere. Your power is in recognizing it when it's going on. Now, if you're the one doing it, that's 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 a problem but you can you can you can remedy that now 
just to be clear, what I'm not talking about, I am not talking about when someone gets angry with you or someone gets upset with you or you get upset with someone else the other way and you're hurt or you're angry or you're confused or you're whatever and you need to back away and you need to have a little space, you need to decompress, cool off, process your emotions, kind of sort them, sort yourself out. I'm not talking about that instance of being withholding love and affection because it's reasonable for you to say to a coworker, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little uneasy or unsteady about what you just said or about what just happened or about this or about that or whatever. I'm going to take some time to kind of process my emotions or decompress or sort myself out because I'm just, I'm just unsteady about it or unclear or confused or what have you. So give me some space. That that's appropriate. And it's appropriate in a family or in a relationship or in a friendship to say, you know, I need a little space. I mean, I recommend if you need a little space to say, look, I need a little space. It's kinder, it's gentler, it's more loving to do that than to just, you know, walk away in a huff. Now, you may walk away in a huff because you're mad or upset and you don't have the skills. I know I used to, I used to do that. I, I, anger skills was like my, one of my last skill sets to come on board in 06 is when I began that journey. So I have, I have a lot of years of not having anger skills. Now, mostly I just like didn't, anger just didn't exist for me, but at any rate, so I'm not talking about if you need to withdraw or cocoon or something else. And sometimes people actually have to retreat and cocoon to kind of pull themselves together because they're struggling, which may be related to you or may be completely unrelated to you. I'm not saying it's related to you and even if it is, so what? Um, so I'm not talking about that as withholding love and affection. Now, some people, you know, will have a different opinion and that's okay. Now, the other aspect of this withholding love and affection is for you to understand is that some people withhold love and affection because they're so low in their emotional abilities or they're so low in their self-loathing, which might not be apparent. Some people who are self-loathing hide it very well. They have a mask. They, they really kind of cover it up, but they, they are unable they are simply incapable of giving love and affection. It's out of their wheelhouse. They simply don't know how to do it. Like they just, it's, it's completely out of their reach. And I think that's helpful to know because people are, are different and they have different skills and abilities. I mean, I, I love people. <laughs> Hopefully you're getting the, the gist. I, I actually love people. And, and there's certain things that I'm like, yep, nope, that's not okay. That is not okay to do. Um, but there are people who are, who are great people. They're really great. They just simply, uh, whether it's mostly because they grew up in a, in, a, in a household where love and affection wasn't present or they didn't receive it outside the house or something, you know, it, it's, it's foreign to them. So there are people that just are incapable. And I think that's helpful for you to understand. So there's some questions as you're looking at this love and affection and withholding love and affection. You know, is the withholding of love and affection a form of punishment? Is this an attempt or any kind of attempt to to punish you? Is it an, is it an attempt to control you or control some aspect of your life or the, your relationship or the, your situation? Are, is the person or entity or people or whatever involved refusing to accept responsibility for their actions or their role in a situation 
or their own imperfections or their own issues or flaws. You know, is the person or people or entity immature? Do they have limited abilities when it comes to people, issues, emotions, dealing with conflict and problems? Like those are all good questions. Because the answer to those questions will give you a different path. So, for example, uh, I, I, I have on my website uh, an emotional processing workbook, which is free. It's, it's right on the right-hand side of the website below the Newsweek logo. Now, in, in a week or two, <laughs> it will transform because it will have a table of contents and it will have a cover. So once I get those pieces to my IT guy and he puts it together in a PDF, I know that's probably something I could learn to do, but I haven't. But, you know, he'll upload it and he'll take care of that. So it'll look much it'll look much nicer. And if I was a different kind of person, I would be mortified that I put it out there publicly without a cover, without a table of contents. But I'm not that kind of person. So I'm laughing, I'm laughing about that. I know. It's so nice to be able to laugh at yourself, people. So, but but if you go through the workbook, you'll see... I have questions before you start managing and processing your emotions. It's extremely valuable to have context. And one of the context pieces I talk about in the emotional processing workbook is, are you the safe person for the, this individual or what have you? You will be the safe. Per Hopefully you're the safe person for some people. I don't know. I know I've been the, I've been the safe person for multiple people my entire life, like literally my entire life. And I didn't have the distinction ever um, until this year, I think it was. And I and I I think I kind of had the idea, but I didn't have the distinction. And then when I thought of it, I was like, oh my God, is that a thing? <laughs> it's a thing in my life, but is it a real thing? And I think it is a real thing, but it's, I don't think it's a thing we're talking about. So it's helpful for you to look at in the area of withholding love and affection, which includes, as I've already covered, resources, money, time, praise, compliments, you know, interest, communication, validation, all that stuff. Is there uh, an attempt to punish you? Is there an attempt to hurt you, control you? Those are important things to consider because you as a human being will want to manage and process your emotions and what what in my workbook and in my view and in my way that I help people learn how to do this it's important that you manage and process your emotions with some context that includes the situation it includes the history it includes you know lots of different things you know values beliefs etc so is this intentional or is it not intentional? Well, that might be something you don't know right up front. It might be something that you can only kind of go, hmm, after you have some history. Like in the situation I was talking about earlier where someone was going to backstab, like viciously backstab somebody else, it was very malicious and intentional. Like we had multiple conversations about what this person was going to do to somebody else. Like literally, they were planning it. They were literally planning it months and months away. I can't remember how many months because it's been too long and I don't really care. But it was it was malicious. It was intentional. They stood their ground and, and, and they weren't, it's not like they had a defense. They had no defense. It was just something awful. That's kind of who they were. So, you know, that was, that that's an example of an intentional, well, it's worse than withholding love and affection. It's trying to take somebody out. It's just awful. So someone who has been, 
wounded in childhood or adult life, which, you know, it happens in adult life when someone has cheated on or, you know, something bad happens. Now, you know, they might not be able to express their love and affection because it doesn't feel safe for them. And I think this is a very important aspect to start bringing into the conversations. It's kind of a new element for me, which I discovered when I was um, doing some research in a recent podcast in the last month about uh, being open-minded and people who are closed-minded, according to the research, uh, which also tends to be people who are righteous, arrogant, know-it-all, you know, judgmental, opinionated. They have to be that way because it's not safe for them to explore their mind. So for some people, it's not safe to, you know, to give love and affection. It's just, there's just no safety for them. So those are very different things. Painful. I mean, it's painful when people can't have love and affection, but it's common. So people who are narcissists, psychopaths, or have certain mental health disorders will engage in withholding love and affection. And again, we're talking information, resources, money, praise and compliments, time, interest, the truth, validation, and more. They will do that on purpose to control, to manipulate, you know, they, they will, some of them, some of them will get a, an enormous sense of glee, an enormous jolt of, of happiness, as sick as that is. Like this person I was talking about, they were uh, looking forward to this awful, heinous, backstabbing action. I, I it, it's, it's an example of somebody who's truly a psychopath or has a mental health disorder because most of us, if you're really healthy, you can't, you can't have that dichotomy, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You can't be nice to somebody's face for a year or six months or whatever the time period was when you know you're going to like take the knife and, and, and knife them. Like normal, regular people cannot do that. They cannot lead that kind of charade. So, you know, manipulators, abusers, whatever the name you want to call them. And some of these people do not have a diagnosis. You don't have to have a diagnosis to withhold love and affection. You simply do not have to have a diagnosis. But they will engage in triangulation, trauma bonding, gaslighting, breadcrumbing, you know, you name it, all of the, the tactics of manipulation. So what does this do to you? So I, I went to look at a little research because I, I'm like, hmm, what does the research say? Well, it was very interesting. So here's your, you ready for your new term for the day? Like, I mean, I hope if you've been listening to my podcast for the last year or two, you've seen we've kind of, we've been deepening and broadening the whole breadth of what we're talking about. And as we're doing that, we're adding new concepts, we're adding new science, we're adding new research now the world is starting to make sense of what's going on. I mean, if we cannot, and we certainly cannot agree on the definition of what good mental health is worldwide, we do not have a definition for that worldwide. We have a scoping review of the literature through July 31st, 2019, that says we have eight competing definitions, but there's no consensus. Then what is going on? Well, now with all of this new pieces we've had in the world, the world is starting to make sense as to why it is the way it is. And that gives us, that gives us power to change it. So in the research on withholding love and affection, there is this the term called skin hunger. <laughs> skin, S-K-I-N, hunger, like you're So 
skin hunger. So skin hunger means you are deprived of meaningful human contact. So you're hungry for hugs, skin, you know, love and affection. So according to the research, up to 25% of Americans say that they do not have a single person to talk about regarding important issues. So that's a quarter of Americans do not have a significant person or somebody, some someone, anyone to talk to about important issues. And in the last 10 years in America, loneliness is up 16%. So we are seeing from the research that people are more lonely than they were. And there's a definite need for love and affection. So what is the scientific impact? What's the research say on what, how does lack of love and affection impact people? Well, there's several impacts. Here's the, here's the high points. There's less people who have a lack of affection. So this is really just talking about affection. Uh, they're less happy, more lonely, more likely to experience depression and stress. They're more likely to have a worse health situation than someone who has uh, affection. They have less social support. They have lower relationship satisfaction. They experience more mood and anxiety disorders. They are more likely to experience a condition that impairs their ability to express and interpret emotion, which is alexiamia. That's A-L-E-X-I-T-H-Y-M-I-A, however you pronounce that. And they are more likely to have a preoccupied or avoidant or fearful avoidant attachment style. So that means they are less likely to form secure attachments with others, meaning that relationships become a problem. So what I want to point out is, according to the research, this is not a cause and effect. So just because you lack affection, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to be less happy or more lonely. It's just, it's, it's more like, um, it's a more predictable outcome. So those are not good outcomes. And that, that doesn't mean you'll have that if you're, if you're, if you have less affection in your life. So for you, the power again in this topic is for you to be able to pause, be introspective, think, and then act accordingly. Because if you are the person who's withholding love and affection, I would beg you to stop and think about what you're doing to the people in your life because that's no good. You don't want to be that person. And if you are the person who is withholding love and affection, bring a big dose of compassion to yourself. Understand it's probably a trauma response, probably something that happened in your childhood or could be your adult life, which means it's, it's not your fault. But if you can recognize in the moment, this is kind of your MO, this is kind of what you do, then go, oh, yep, I don't like that. So I think I'm going to get to work on myself. So the people who withhold love and affection, compliments, praise, all that stuff to their romantic partner, you know, are not the healthiest people. Identify this as an issue. And then if you're in a relationship with someone, and maybe it's, a, it's that you're a parent and you're in a relationship with your children, if you're a single parent, and, and have a conversation saying, guess what I just learned? I just learned that I withhold love and affection. I, I don't even know how to do that. 
Like, I don't even know what that looks like. And get their commitment to be on board and help you heal and help you grow. I mean, this is exactly what I did with my three kids in 2006, <laughs> although they were pretty young. And I said, oh my gosh, I, I just learned I don't have any anger skills. And, and to me at that time, I can remember where they were standing when I told them this. Uh, and they just kind of looked at me like deer in the headlights. I didn't know what it looked like to have anger skills. You know, just the just the raw identification that I had done, <laughs> or I might have had minus negative skills. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't passive aggressive. We know that, and I wasn't aggressive, but um, I, it was just like anger was just like not even on the radar. So, but it was great to have the three kids be on board with me as I, you know, set about learning anger skills. So, so bring your people on board because the people who love you want you to have an amazing life and you can heal together and you can grow together. And if it's your kids, they are probably would love it if you said, hey, I just realized I withhold love and affection because I don't even know what it looks like to have love. They would probably, they would probably be so happy. And if it's you that's withholding love and affection and you're married or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or you have a significant other, whatever your, you know, preference is, they would also probably be like, oh, honey, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And I love you anyway, because they probably, I'm sure they do love you anyway. Like you don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed if this is one of your pieces, if this is your MO, you could own it. You could own it. You could ditch the shame. You could ditch the embarrassment. I mean, I was not ashamed or embarrassed. I didn't have any anger skills. Like, it's just like what it was. Like, you know, you don't have to attach meaning to everything. So you could bring healing on, but this is applying to you. And I'm going to get into if somebody else is withholding this stuff from you. But right now I'm talking to you if this is your issue. Like you could go on a healing journey. And if you haven't figured it out, I've been on this healing journey for the last, well, many years, actually, my whole life, probably. But in particular, learning about trauma bonding and betrayal trauma and some of the things, triangulation, all these things are like on the healing journey. So it's not a healthy dynamic for you to withhold love and affection. And you don't have to have a, a romantic partner to address this issue. You can do it with a, with a friend. You can say to your friend, you know what? I just listened to this podcast and I just realized I withhold love and affection. Is there any chance you could support me and on my journey to grow that? And they'd probably go, oh, I'd love to. And you know what? They might say, you know what? Me too. Like, I mean, we, we, all, we all have a lot of the same issues, people. I promise you. So now, so if it's you, you have complete control. You can say, yes, that applies to me. Yes, yes, yes. I run away from love or I withhold love and affection or I damage my relationships or I make people leave me or, you know, I make people abandon me. And now I think it's because I withhold love and affection. Well, if you withhold love and affection long enough from people, they will probably eventually take their marbles and go home. Maybe. I mean, unless you're married to them and who knows what they'll do. But, you know, if it's you that's withholding Love and affection. And I say love and affection, meaning all of the things I've already covered, resources, money, time, validation, compliments, etc. Then, you know, you might have already paid a price for that. You might have already gotten divorced because of it, or you might have had people abandon you because of it. And they probably didn't have maybe the skills to say, look, you're withholding love and affection. I'm out. Like, who knows? 
But if you if you do withhold love and affection, probably abandonment might be one of your issues. Like I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it's it's very interesting in psychology. Sometimes the things that people are most afraid of is what they end up with because their behavior kind of sometimes not always not always sometimes contributes to that. So if you're afraid of being abandoned and so now you're going to withhold your love and affection and then you end up getting abandoned you see how that's kind of you know how that cycle works so if you if it's you you have plenty of ways you can address that i recommend it now the next part of this podcast i'm going to briefly address if it's someone else who's withholding love and affection or any of the other things from you so number one you will have to make a decision about what is best for you So you'll have to consider all of the aspects. I do recommend my emotional processing workbook because that will help you make a better decision in my opinion because you will want to look at some elements like is your thinking rational? If you are not thinking rationally because you are looking through the lens of a cognitive distortion, that will impact your decision. And I do recommend you make very thought out decisions when it comes to relationships and the people in your life. I mean, like sometimes I've had to pull away from people because they've withheld love and affection or because they, you know, did not treat me properly. And it's, it's painful for me because I love people. But I also don't control people and I have to draw the line about how I'm treated. I'm unwilling to be treated poorly. And it doesn't matter how I'm related to you. I'm a no drama, just peace. All I want is P-E-A-C-E, no drama. And sometimes the only way to have no drama is to, to, to step away from some people. So number one, if this is happening to you, you will have to make a decision about how you're going to handle it like there's you know you can just continue on and ignore it probably not the best move for you but you know we've all done that we've all done that Uh, but I do have a resource for you which is the emotional processing workbook and you know I do recommend you read the entire thing because it's important to me it's important that you understand certain things in order to manage and process your emotions. So that's number one. So number two, regardless of your decision. So you might decide you're going to let it ride. You might decide you've got to go. You might recognize, you know what? I'm in domestic abuse. I can't leave right now. It's too dangerous. It's too risky. It's too problematic. So, you know, you, you couldn't just leave. I mean, if you are in domestic abuse, it's extremely likely that you can't just leave because these people who do this domestic abuse, they're nasty. They are very nasty. They don't even have to threaten you out loud for you to know what the threat is. Like, it's very serious. They will falsely accuse you of kidnapping. They will falsely accuse you of everything. Like, they are bad news bears because they're not well. They might not have a mental health diagnosis, but they're not okay. So if you're in domestic abuse or domestic violence, but domestic abuse, you you know, you might not be able to go and leave even if you wanted to. So regardless of what your situation is and what your decision is, you, number two, focus on growing you. Focus on growing yourself. Focus on you like crazy. Like put yourself on a personal growth and development journey. 
because you can do that even if you're in the work. I mean, like kind of the worst situation, one of the worst situations is if you're stuck or trapped in domestic abuse. And people don't, if you don't understand how you can become trapped or stuck in that, then there's a lot for you to learn because it's not that hard to get trapped in domestic abuse. It's like boiling the frogs, which I haven't done a pod. I've done a podcast on domestic abuse and domestic violence. But people typically, if they haven't been through it, they don't understand how people get into that. And it's, it's not, it's not what you think. So put yourself, regardless of where you are, regardless of your decision, you can still make a decision. Hey, I'm going to put myself on a personal growth and development journey. I'm going to grow like crazy. You could do that. You absolutely could because that's within your control. I mean, if you're thinking you, you can't even do that, then I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you're breaking my heart, but you could do that. You actually could. Number three, rational thinking. I have learned in the past many months the significance of rational thinking, which I didn't really know or understand when I started podcasting like four years ago, because we're not talking about rational thinking. How would I, as a regular person, know that one of the most core pieces, in my opinion, of, of mental, emotional health and well-being is rational thinking. How would I know that? Because we're not talking about it. We're not. But as I've done more research and fallen deeper into the pit of the research that's agreed upon. Now, we have lots of research that's not, but there's some research that we kind of agree on. Kind of like we do agree on what constitutes a narcissist, a borderline personality disorder, a psychopath. We, we have agreement on mental health diseases or disorders. We do have some agreement on that pretty much because we have it in the diagnostic manual. So we can agree on what's sick or ill or mental health illness and disorders, but we can't give people criteria. You want to be healthy and mentally and emotionally well? Here's your list. Well, I'm I'm doing that people because I can't wait for you guys. Like the psychology field, like the medical, you guys are like, come on, you're lagging behind, get with the program. So rational thinking. I do have a podcast that's called, um, cognitive distortions that will help you i do talk about rational thinking in the emotional processing workbook you have got to get that sorted out for yourself in my opinion in my opinion now that's number three number four self-care and self-compassion huge huge fan of that if you've missed that i do have an early podcast on the two topics together self-care and self-compassion make it fun people make it enjoyable like you know taking care of yourself doesn't have to be drudgery i'm if you haven't figured it out i am not a fan of boring i am not a fan of drudgery no 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 I mean, you can have drudgery. You can be boring. I don't really have any skin in the game about how you live life, but no thank you. So my suggestion is make self-care and self-compassion a priority for yourself. And when I say self-compassion, I mean you being kind to yourself. Some of you are just, you're horrifically mean to yourselves. You are so mean to yourself. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to take. It's hard to tolerate. I hate to, I hate to tell you. And it's very unattractive. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your emotional health. It's not good for you in any way, shape or form. And it's not attractive. It's just not, it's painful. And if you think that nobody knows that you're self-loathing or you think you're undeserving or, you know, that you're being hard on yourself, people know, because, you know, you're probably saying and doing things that they, they can tell. 
So get on the road to self-care and self-compassion. Well, number five, love and affection. Well, of course, in the topic of withholding love and affection, if someone's doing this to you, because this is the part of the podcast I'm on, I'm giving you suggestions if someone's withholding love, affection, time, money, resources, communication, what have you, then you go get love and affection from other sources. If it's your family that's withholding love and affection, if it's your spouse or your significant other or your children or your, you know, friend, you know, go to another source. You know, you might have to join a club. You might have to join an organization. You might have to take some different action. You will have to take some action, but you can get love and affection from other sources. If you're unclear about that, I do have a podcast titled counterbalancing the negative. So if you have someone or some situation, because it could be multiple people involved in this, where love and affection or resources or money or time or whatever is being withheld from you, you that's a negative. That's a very extreme negative, very painful, very, very painful. Then you can counterbalance that negative and bring love and affection into your life from other sources. Now, if you're married or in a significant relationship, I'm not a fan of you going and, and cheating. You can do that because plenty of people do. That's not going to help you, in my opinion. You're going to get guilt and blah, 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 if you, unless you're a psychopath, in which case you wouldn't have any guilt because you don't have any empathy. But, I, you know, I'm not a fan of that. But you can work on yourself and get healthy and get love and affection, platonic love and affection from other sources. And if you're going to go cheat, go cheat. I mean, it's your life. You know, it's your integrity. It's your whole reputation. It's whatever you want. I'm just not a fan because I know it's not good for people. Um, and I would never, <laughs> I would never remotely consider that cheating or any kind of infidelity. That's, <laughs> oh no. Anyway. Okay. So that's number five, love and affection. Number six, happiness. Oh my heavens, people, happiness is so wonderful. It's just, you know, and, and it's sad because the happiness other people talk about are is circumstantial. So when other people talk about happiness, they are most mostly referencing happiness derived from or generated by situations, circumstances, roles, jobs, positions, status, you know, etc. My take in happiness is that you can be happy separate from your circumstances or your situations, which is what I recommend because circumstances change, situations change. If you can be happy, you know, separate from your circumstances, that's true power. That's the kind of power I want for you. I don't want you to only be happy when you have the right boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or house or job or kids or car or money in the back. Like you can be happy that way. That's how most people are. That's just not what I recommend. It's, it's too risky. If you're happy only because of circumstances, that's, that's risky. The foundation can be ripped out from under you. If you're happy and you can generate your own happiness, which is what I'm talking about, then no one can take the foundation out from under you. I mean, people in the hospital were stunned at the level of happiness I had right, you know, from, from the, from the moment it happened. I mean, I'm sure that some of the people in the trauma bay, when they were cutting off my clothes and after the accident, right, you know, immediately after I got to the hospital, uh, were like, oh my God, who is this woman? Like, 
I'm sure some were probably like, who is this? Because I was talking to them and, you know, chatting with them. And, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, you're cutting off my clothes now. You know, you know that, uh, yes, I was unhappy. I had this accident. I was, well, I was in shock at that point. And I'm still in shock, actually. Shock is my worst emotion because I just don't have enough practice. In it. I mean, I've had some huge shocks in life. Huge, huge, huge. But I'm just not that practiced in it. And I'm slow with my emotions in general, shock being one of them. But anyway, happiness you will not regret because you could be happy if in, in, a, in a bad situation. Now, I'm not, and when I say that, I mean, you, you still have to process sadness and grief and loss. And you. this is not like fake happiness. This is not happiness where you gloss over someone's death or gloss over the fact that someone stole all your money or did fraud or, you know, like, no, I'm not talking about glossing over things. You always have to deal with your emotions. But if you deal with your emotions and you learn how to generate your happiness, you can be happy, you know, in almost any circumstance. I promise you. Number seven. So happiness was number six. Number seven is being present or being mindful. Oh my goodness. I, I love this. And I, and I thank goodness that it's becoming more popular to become mindful thanks to, um, some books and actually to John Zabit-Zinn and his uh, mindfulness relaxation stress reduction program. So mindful is the current term of the day. Prior to his work becoming popular, being present was really kind of how it was referred to. And this has been talked about since the beginning of time. There's nothing actually that I'm talking about that hasn't been considered thousands of years ago. Now we have new research. We didn't have we don't we didn't have the research two thousand years ago that we have now. But the idea of being mindful and being present goes back to the beginning of time. Learning to control your mind goes back to the beginning. I mean, these may be new thoughts for you and new ideas for you or new concepts for you, but they're not new in terms of humanity. So, being mindful, learning to be present will help you all in every area of life. And I just recently did a podcast on being mindful. I've already mentioned this is number eight, grow your emotional abilities. Now, everywhere I've looked on the web, and I have a group of people who've been looking on the web for over a year now, year and a couple months, uh, the web, the internet has information about uh, what you do to manage and process your emotions that are physical things, like in, in the world. My emotional work, workbook is about things you think about and you go through in your mind. So that's different. So my workbook is free. And by the way, I would have mentioned this sooner, but it didn't occur to me. You don't have to register to get the workbook. If you click on the free on the on the icon below the Newsweek, you're not going to be asked to register to take it. It's free. There's no cost. You don't have to register. You don't have to give your information. It's completely free. Now, I would have been saying that for the last however, however many months if it had occurred to me that that was what people were wondering or thinking about or afraid to click on it for because that's what most people would do. If most people were giving what I'm giving away, they would A, they would make you pay for it or B, if they didn't make you pay for it, you would absolutely have to register. I'm well aware of how other people do life people. <laughs> I'm well aware. I don't need to be told I should charge for it. I don't need to be told. I should be making people register. I don't need to be told. I should be collecting everyone's email address. No, I don't need to be told that. And no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I am too busy with my amazing life to, to be, that's minutia. I don't need to do that. And I'm well aware. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
I'm well aware of how other people do things. Now, if it had occurred to me to say that prior, I would have said that prior, but I, I you know, I, I didn't, it didn't occur to me. So go get the workbook right now without the cover page. It's a little over 20 pages. I, I am going to add, I'm pretty sure the checklist that I feel is research-based for your mental health. So I did a podcast about your mental and emotional health checklist, and I'm going to add that to the workbook just for, you know, giggles, because the list I have, which I covered in the podcast, I'm, I'm sure, I'm very confident that because it's all research-based, we could easily have agreement on that. Well, for the most part. Now, I do know there's one like subsection or sub-factor group minority, tiny minority in psychology that thinks anger should never be allowed as an emotion. I know. I mean, can you believe that? Well, there is a small group. Now they are tiny. Yes, they're promoting their, their ideology that no one should be angry. It's like the evil worst emotion. They would not agree with what I'm saying. But other than that, the like, you know, 96 or 8 or 9% of the psychology body, in my opinion, would agree with what I've laid out for the checklist because it's research-based. So except for some fringe groups that are like off the mark from the majority I don't think the checklist is going to have, no one's going to have an issue with it, except for that group that <laughs> thinks anger is like ridiculous and evil. So go get the workbook and use it. You will need to read it entirely. You will need to read it a couple times. Your brain will pick that up very quickly because your brain loves shortcuts. It will pick it up, I promise you. My next suggestion, if someone is withholding love and affection, time, money, resources, validation, compliments, what have you, anything, is to add play and fun to your life. <laughs> this is amazing. And I know that some people, like life has been so hard for some people. I mean, my life has been hard, people. Do not be thinking because I'm happy, because I'm playful, because I'm lighthearted, that my life hasn't been hard. Let me tell you, if things about my life ever came to light publicly, people would like, they would, their, their mouths would be left hanging open for a week. But we do not talk about the unspeakable things that people have done to me because it's not necessary. I don't have to tell on people what they've done to me. No, I don't. And I don't plan on. But I don't want you thinking because I'm playful and fun, I've had an easy life. That's not true. It will never be true. But what is true is that, <laughs> thankfully, I did learn the value of play and fun at a young age. Like, you know, I did. And um, so I understand that life has been so hard for some people. They simply don't know how to be playful or fun. I do have a podcast that will help you. You can learn anything. We know from neuroplasticity of the brain, you can learn anything in life. So you can learn to be playful and fun, even if you've lost that sense uh, up to now. My last suggestion, if love and affection, resources, money, anything is being withheld from you, is to set some personal goals, have a reward system, and take people with you. That's your best plan because you cannot control someone else. I don't care if you're asking an abuser to be nice to you. Good luck with that. Like seriously, people, good luck with that. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know the things I uh, have learned <laughs> because I, I probably wouldn't have wasted 
you know, some time, energy and resources, uh, because I do believe in giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I don't regret that. I'm not changing that. I'm a fan of that. But I've also learned the mile markers of abusers. Like, I feel like right now I could like probably sniff out an abuser from a mile away. I don't know if that's true, but I'm, I'm very now I have a heightened sensitivity to triangulation and all kinds of things that would be very helpful. But for you, set some goals, have some rewards and get on the road for a delicious life because you can control many of the things in your life more than you think. And it will, it will help you counterbalance the negative because the negative is this is a painful thing. Now it's, it's painful any way you, you slice it, whether it's intentional or unintentional. In my view, to me, it's more painful if it's done intentionally and with malice. That's just my view. You might not agree with that view. That's totally up to you. You can have whatever view you want. But in my view, someone who's like withholding money on purpose, withholding love and withholding all that stuff on purpose is, you know, is, is more painful. Now, there are people who withhold it because they just are incapable and that and to me. So I have all these nuances with how I manage my process, my emotions, and you'll figure out how you want to do it. So it's painful if you have this, if it's happening to you and it would be painful to realize, oh, I do that. But guess what? You can take care of it. So get on the road to making sure you have lots of love and affection in your life and you deal with any areas where love and affection is being withheld from you. That's it for now. I do love you. Take care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 169, Withholding Love and Affection. I certainly hope you are now going to be looking at life through the lens of love and affection, including withholding love and affection. I hope you've, give, you've got some new ideas for avenues for action because I want you to have a happy, healthy, and great life, even when it's difficult. Please share this podcast with the people you care about or on social media. Please hang in there. I do love you. That's it for now.